0: Good morning, Foothills Church. So good to see everyone here this morning. My name is Greg Gibson. I have the privilege of serving as our Beard and Location pastor. I wanna welcome you this morning. I also wanna welcome everyone who's watching online today. I'm so thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter two. We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter two and we're gonna answer these two questions today which I think are, are profound and will give um, direction to our life. First question, how do we find the wisdom of God? Then how do we live with the wisdom of God? How do we find the wisdom of God? And how do we live with the wisdom of God? There's a popular children's illustration series called Where's Waldo? You guys remember this guy? Remember him? I grew up with that guy. I don't know if you're a product of like the 80s and 90s, but Where's Waldo is uh, very near and dear to, to our heart, right? Um, we, would, we would turn the page and we would, we would see illustrations like this. So here's Waldo, right? Like carrying a stack of books. He's like reading a book in the other hand and some kind of like battle in ancient Rome is going on around him. But the whole point is to learn a little bit about a scene or a destination or geography, but really to find Waldo. And then if you wanna go past easy, then past medium and to really hard, you come across pictures like this. Anybody? I mean, good luck if you're watching online. Um, it took me 30 minutes in my living room to find, and I think He's like right around in here. I mean, if you can see like the blurry pixelated Waldo head, he's around in there. I was in my living room and, it, and I, I found him and I, I audibly yelled, all right, found him. And my daughter came in and was like, what'd you find? I'm like, Waldo, you won't understand, right? But, but, but then this is, this is more my speed. Let's, let's see if you can, you can find him here, right? What, what I think about when I see this, I'm like, what are these people doing in a field? I understand she kind of has some like jumpsuit joggers on, but we got some guys in suits and we've got, you know, Waldo. And, and I, I think as, as silly as, as an illustration like this might be, I think it's pretty reflective of the human experience. One day we grow up, We go from being a kid searching for Waldo in a silly children's book like this to becoming a teenager searching for who we actually are in this world. One day we we become an adult and we stop looking for whatever that Waldo is of our teenage years and and we're searching for the next thing, the next chase, the next title, the next accomplishment, the next adventure and ultimately, we're, we're always looking for and we're always trying to find the next step of our life. And, and here's what we do when we're about to become parents. Give me all the best books and podcasts and, and resources of the world. When we're about to start a new job, same thing. Give me all the best books and podcasts and, and resources of the world. I'm in, I'm, I might be interested in this new thing now. Maybe it's healthy living or how to get passive income or maybe real estate just came on your radar and you're, you're learning about that or investing or this new business idea. Same thing, give me all the best resources and podcasts that the world has to offer. And in all of these next steps in our lives, if we are not careful, we're really just searching for what might be the adult version of Where's Waldo, which really is the the lifelong search for this. The knowledge of the world. Where can I find it? What rock can I look under? Who can mentor me? What podcast and thinker and and influencer can I connect to and dial in on that might give me this for the next step that I need to take in life? And and, and why why do I say knowledge of the world? and and all of this stuff because it it took me 30 minutes to find the dumb guy in my living room and it did nothing for me, nothing. And and, and I think most of us live this way too. We're on a search for this and it does nothing for us. And in our text this morning, We're gonna see a similar theme from our sermon last week in 1 Corinthians chapter one. And in chapter one, Paul reminds the Corinthian church that he did not visit them with words of wisdom or in the knowledge of the world. And and this is important for context reasons. And so the Corinthian church, who Paul is, is writing this letter, is close to Athens. It's close to the center of, of the wisdom of the age, kind of the cultural center of the time. So, so this area in this church that Paul is, is writing this letter to would probably have appealed to people who like philosophy and deep thinking and well-defined arguments. And, and this is probably why there are so many divisions in the church in Corinth that we saw really in chapter one. There are many smart, intelligent and educated people in this context, but, but they're not using their knowledge. They're not using their intellect. They're not using what God has given to them for good. They're using it for what? They're using it for division. And then Paul reminds them in chapter one of this when he says how he came to them how he came to the Corinthian church. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the what? The gospel. And not with words, see this, not with words of eloquent wisdom. So I'm not coming into this place, the center of intellect, this center of philosophical thought. And I'm not gonna meet you where you're at. I'm not gonna use words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul continues the same thought here in in chapter two, which we're about to read in just a moment. And and, and before we do that, I I wanna remind you now our second time of our questions this morning. How do we find the wisdom of God? If it's different than the knowledge of the world, then, then what's our path to this? And then how do we live with the wisdom of God once it is revealed to us. And so let's, let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter two. You can follow along on the screen if you have your Bibles in front of you. Paul says this in verse one, he says, "'And I, when I came to you, brothers, "'did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God "'with lofty speech or wisdom. "'For I decided to know nothing among you "'except Jesus Christ and him crucified.'" And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech, and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or, or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit Christ. The first thing I want us to see this morning about biblical wisdom is that biblical wisdom is anchored in the work of Jesus alone. It's anchored in the work of Jesus alone. And and I want to highlight two verses right from the beginning this morning where Paul says in, in verse two, for I decided to know nothing among you except two. Help me out here. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then if you jump down to verse five, he says, he says the reason. So that, or, or this is because, your faith might not rest in me, might not rest in what my arguments are or the intellect that I'm gonna to bring to you, but in what? The power of God. I think it's important to note here that Paul is, is not coming into an educated place trying to compare his resume with theirs. Is he? Can you imagine Paul's resume for a minute? Like you get Paul's resume in the mail. There's a picture of him in the top right. uh, His one sentence summary. Used to kill Christians, but now I plant churches. I'd be great for your kid's pastor position. He he, he does this and he does give his resume in 2 Corinthians chapter six and also in Philippians 3, But he doesn't do so with his accomplishments. He talks about his sufferings for the sake of Christ. Here in chapter two, he meets the church right where they are, right in their context. Not with lofty speech, not in their intellect, not meeting with them with their ancient Rome PhDs or whatever the equivalent is. In their well-crafted philosophies, he builds his argument off of chapter one. And Paul says in verse two, for I decided to know nothing among you except for Christ and him crucified. For I decided to know nothing among you. I wanted zero parts whatever this conversation is over here. I want nothing to do with your dogma. I want nothing to do with your religion. I want nothing to do with your philosophical arguments. I want nothing to do with your arguments on social media and Facebook. I want zero parts of your worldly knowledge. What does he say? He says, I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ in him Crucified. This was Paul's entire aim. This was his entire goal, for Jesus to be made known. Even in eloquent and philosophical and educated areas, Christ crucified, nothing else, nothing more. And in fact, he says in, in verse three, I'm, not, I'm coming to you, right, in, in weakness, And in in fear and a little bit of, of trembling, my speech and my message is not very plausible. It's not great thought. It's not great understanding. And he says, I did this so that your faith might not rest in me or what I'm doing here. The education of man, the power of man, the wisdom of man, the podcasts of man, the books of man, the accomplishments of man. But what does he say? In the power of God alone. And so two weeks ago, I was in Warsaw, Poland, of all places, standing in front of 500 or more Ukrainian refugees who had, who had fled the war. And it was a bit of a different service than this right? Like no teaching TV, no lights, no, no uh, comfortable seats. Kids are running around everywhere. It's kind of chaos. And if you've kept up with the crisis in Ukraine, today's day 80, day 80 of what is happening with the war. And so Warsaw, Poland has embraced millions of Ukrainian refugees. And so for the last several years, I've, I've worked with an organization, outside of my my job with Foothills that focuses on planting churches in and around Ukraine and mobilizing the church in Ukraine to reach the nations. And so obviously the last 80 days have looked different in Ukraine and and for us. And so so I show up at this Ukrainian church at 4 p.m. on a Sunday, and there's just a sea of people. And uh, I walk in, they're like, Grisha, that's what they call me. It's like my Russian name or whatever like Grisha you're preaching today I was like oh am I so like yeah 20 minutes you're up you got an hour and so it's normal for me you go overseas you're invited to preach you kind of have stuff prepared and ready um, you can kind of go back from notes and different things like that and uh, when I usually show up at churches like this, I do get asked to preach, but this is new. 30 minutes before the service starts, they ask me to preach to hundreds of refugees. And I'm kind of at a loss. What to say, what to give them. And so I asked the guys with me, I asked, what, what do I say? What, what, what do they need to hear? And he says back to me very quickly, very simply, preach Christ crucified, preach Christ crucified. And so, so I I did that for one hour, no notes, no preparation, just preach Christ crucified. No, none of this, right, that we have this morning, the entire room, something I've, I've really never experienced, um, people in tears, everywhere. We stayed for hours. I mean, I was there till 10 p.m. ministering to the people and serving the people and giving hugs and trying to understand what was going on in their life. But friends, this is our application. This is what we do. This is what we do. Biblical wisdom for living, for dying, your next step for marriage, for parenting, for being a good neighbor, for participating in mission work or outreach, for churches in educated areas and churches full of refugees, whatever the context, whatever the place, whatever the need, we preach Christ crucified, amen? That's what we preach. That is our only message. And when things happen in our life that are outside of our control, we still preach Christ crucified directly in the mirror to our hearts. When a family member finds out that they have cancer, we preach Christ crucified in our heart and to their life. When you are suffering or people are suffering around you, the only medicine is Christ crucified for you. When you stand in front of hundreds of refugees that are fleeing war, all you can give is Christ crucified for them. When you stand in front of the most educated of our day, in the most educated context, no matter where you are, really all you have is Christ crucified. All wisdom for living comes directly from what Christ has done for us first, regardless of circumstances today, regardless of whatever pursuits that we have, whatever the next steps are in our life, wherever you are searching, whatever adult-wears-Waldo game you are playing in this moment, it comes first from Christ, his work for you alone. And, and this is the beauty of, of the gospel message. This is the beauty of what Christ has come and done for for us. Our work is in vain. Our attempt to stand before God is in vain. Our attempt to find God's favor is Worthless and it is in vain, but our standing before God, our forgiveness given to us by God, the salvation that we've received from God, this central truth is because Christ has been crucified for us. And not only that, he's also been raised for us. And this is our great resurrection hope. Christ crucified for you, and now we'll see what his work does in you, which is point two. Biblical wisdom, we're gonna see in verses six through 10, comes from the Holy Spirit's revelation. It comes from the Holy Spirit's revelation alone. And so look with me uh, at, at this passage. And, and, and Paul, when he says, you know, there's, there's the mature among us when we don't have this wisdom from God what I wanna do is skip down to verse 10 and I wanna show you and bring out what Paul is saying. He says, these things God has revealed to us. So, so the things that the world can't understand is what he's saying in, in verses six, seven, eight, and nine. Then he says, those things God's revealed to us through what? The spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And so, so, so see the argument here with me. Paul shifts his thought from the message of our proclamation, which again is, is Christ alone, to now how we receive wisdom from God. Again, Paul's not interested in the resumes or accomplishments here, is he? He says in, in verse six, that the wisdom of this age is passing away, but we have a secret wisdom, a hidden wisdom. In fact, if, if anyone knew that actual wisdom of God, he says in verse eight, they would have never crucified Jesus. This is argument. And this is a sobering thought for us, isn't it? Think think with me about what Paul is saying here. All, All the things that you and I are an expert in, or an armchair expert in, or you have a degree in, or you've read books about, or you've taught others in, or you've even led others in. Paul's saying those things are passing away. And so, so this sits close to home for me because probably like you, I'm a self-proclaimed expert at a lot of things. And the self-proclaimed is the key word here, okay? I read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, then I'm a self-proclaimed expert at whatever it is. But one thing I am a self-proclaimed expert at, is NBA basketball. So before you tune out, I'm a huge fan, huge fan. Again, some would say an expert. M- me, you know, would say I'm an expert in this subject. And so, so a little confession time here. I, I married someone who wasn't an NBA fan. And so from, we've been married almost 15 years now and, and, uh, and, and it took me 10 years to get her to, even to be considered a fan of NBA basketball. And, and, and so from really day one, I knew it was going to be a a slow cook, you know, so it wasn't, I wasn't going um, immediately out of the gate, overwhelming her with my fandom of NBA basketball. So, you know, naturally I put together a 50 step plan for how Grace becomes an NBA fan, if not more than me, right? That's, that's, natural and the next step so one of those steps was to take her to LA and take her to the Staples Center I I can't remember what it's called today like cryptocurrency.com org slash you know dot me center but it was the Staples Center it's always to me the, the Staples Center so so I look at the schedule the Warriors are coming to LA to play the Lakers and I'm like okay this is my chance right? She's got to feel it. She's got to see it. And so it's like one of those dip into your savings account kind of games, you know, like fifth row, center court. We're looking at both benches and it was an amazing experience and it worked. It worked. She loves the NBA. This was like maybe seven years ago, I don't know. She loves the NBA, I feel like now, just as much as me. Like she'll send me like podcast links, like, hey, listen to this on how they break down the one-three-one zone. I'm like, oh my gosh, who are you? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Eastern Europe two weeks ago, right? And I call home and ask her how she's doing. She's like, oh, we're doing great. Kids are in bed and I'm, I'm just watching Steph Curry ball out. It's like her exact tears coming down my face but but the point of this is that is that if you only knew if you only knew the amount of hours that I've given to something as silly as basketball or the conversations and the games and the money spent uh, on on this that's so near and dear to my heart but it doesn't matter at all that's does it? it doesn't matter at all right the books i read great the books you read great the podcasts you listen to, none of it matters at all. What Paul is saying here is that he's not saying that, that none of it matters for our earthly flourishing. He's saying, yes, if you, if you need insight, if you, if you want advice, if you want earthly knowledge, okay, go to those things. But here's, here's the point. It doesn't lead to biblical wisdom. It doesn't lead to how we live under the banner of Jesus. He is saying that none of it matters when compared to verse nine, what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, God has revealed all of his wisdom to you through the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit, right, that God makes his wisdom known to us as believers in Jesus. It is through the Holy Spirit's work that God prepares a person to receive the truths of the gospel and leads us to Christ through the hearing of this gospel message. God reveals his wisdom, not in man, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Trinity alone, not in the work of man, so that none of us will have the ability to boast. And it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that God grants wisdom God originates salvation, works through his spirit, grants us the text as his glory, which is verse nine. When Paul's quoting from Isaiah here, he says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, or heart imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And so church, think about this day with me if we can even think about it. If we can even comprehend this day together. In this moment, God has revealed the secret, the hidden, to us. He's revealed it to us. It's what our faith is pointing towards, even in this moment. A day that is coming, Paul says that, that our hearts can't even comprehend. A day where there are no more tears. Amen, A day where there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more pain, no more death. A day that even in our best attempt to comprehend what is coming for us, we simply cannot. But we're left with this promise, aren't we? We're left with this promise that through the Holy Spirit, verse 10, We have a day coming that our hearts are being prepared for, but yet we cannot still comprehend. And with this understanding, we now know that biblical wisdom is kind of the bookend of our salvation until we're with Jesus in glory in heaven one day. Then through the power of the Holy Spirit, what Paul is saying, now I'm gonna give you, because you know that secret, what our faith is pointing to, now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna give you wisdom for actually how to live. And this is, this is point three. He says, biblical wisdom is the knowledge of God applied to our living. Biblical wisdom is the knowledge of God applied to our living. And so if we're gonna highlight anything in verses 11 through 16, I wanna highlight this. He says in verse 12, he says, "'Now we have received not the spirit of the world, "'but the spirit who is from God, "'that we might understand the things "'freely given to us by God.'" And then he says, because, right? The world does this and they, they look for spiritual lessons in the knowledge of the world. Then he says, but we have what? The mind of who? We have the mind of Christ. So Paul tells us where biblical wisdom comes from. And and now he's telling us how to live with biblical wisdom. And so so for Paul here, it's very simple. Biblical wisdom comes from a life lived in the spirit of God. It comes from a life lived in the spirit of God. It comes from a life where the Holy Spirit is working and revealing to us the things of wisdom. And this is really the crux of his argument. You can go out and look for the things of knowledge in the world, but if we really want the results of wisdom everyone's after without knowing the process of how to get it, we know now. We know the process. We understand what God is doing. It has been revealed to us. The world's chasing the results of wisdom in so many ways. The world is is chasing the knowledge of the world. Books are being written and released daily. Podcasts are being written and released daily, scrolling through social media. We have millions and millions and millions and billions, really, of armchair philosophers giving their take on everything under the sun. And Paul is saying that we are not looking to define wisdom how the world defined wisdom, We need to define wisdom how God defines wisdom. And if we have the process of how to get it, it starts with what? Very simply, the fear of the Lord. Maybe the wisest man to ever live, probably, King Solomon. writes the book of Proverbs. It's the subtitle, the book of wisdom. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it all. The fear of God, maybe the smartest person to ever live. If we lean in, in this moment, gives us the secret to life, the secret of living, the fear of God. In fact, God tells Solomon, if you remember the story that he could ask for anything from God and God would grant to him. And Solomon as a kid, as a child, asked for wisdom. And he writes the whole book of Ecclesiastes and most of the book of Proverbs, telling us how to find wisdom. And so for Paul here in 1 Corinthians 2, biblical wisdom, if you're you're following his argument, is anchored in the work of Jesus, revealed to us by and through the power of the Holy Spirit that a day is coming for those of us who are in Christ that we cannot yet even comprehend. And we should have the mind of Christ, which he says in verse 16. And the the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the mind of Christ leads you in biblical wisdom. And so if we could sum it up, maybe this way. Paul's saying, hey, wisdom is just simply the application of knowing God. It's just the application of your knowledge of the Bible. It's your application of your knowledge of who God is and what he's done for you. It's both theological and practical. Wisdom is is deeply theological because it's knowing who God is, his word, his truths, his promises, and then applying those truths and his promises to our life. In many ways, it's the the result and the fruit of following God. And ironically here, Paul's saying in in 1 Corinthians 2, that, that wisdom is also proof that a person actually knows Jesus and so we read the book of Romans and we read the book of James and we see that fruit in our life and how we live is a reflection back to what God has done for us in salvation on the other hand foolishness according to Paul here is the opposite of wisdom and and, and, and here's where I I want you to to really lean in to, to Paul's argument here He's saying, he's saying the the irony of folly is that we often think it applies to those other people, right? The the chasers of the world, like money, power, or or pleasure. We point our finger at those people, the worldly among us. But in fact, Paul is telling us that if you have the knowledge of God but don't apply the knowledge of God, then you are no different than those who are just giving lip service to the fact that they know God. And so maybe to like apply it to our present day, you can't Google it. If you're looking for wisdom, you're not gonna find it in any philosopher, in any podcast, in any resource. You can't get on your phone and go to Google and say, what is biblical wisdom? because God has only revealed wisdom to those who are followers of Jesus alone. It's not out in the knowledge of the world. It's revealed to us through the power and revelation of the Holy Spirit in our life, then giving us the mind of Christ to apply and live out what we know. It's very, very simple. When you say it like this, if you're looking for it, you won't find it. It's been revealed to us because of what Christ has done for us. And so so church, I think this is where we need to to really land today. We need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for God to reveal wisdom for our living. James 1 Verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And so what do we know? Let's recap. (laughs) Life is messy. Everything is messy. Church life is messy. Politics are messy. Cultural issues are messy. School is messy. Outreach, missions is messy. Parenting teenagers is messy. Marriage is messy. Being a good neighbor can be messy. Work is messy. Relationships are messy. We know life is messy and the Corinthian church was messed up, man. They were messed up. Some of the stuff you're gonna hear in the next couple weeks that the church of Jesus Christ was doing in Corinth, it's crazy. But they had access to the same things that we have access to today. They had access to the same thing, the knowledge of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us the mind of Christ to apply what we know, biblical wisdom. And so my encouragement to you this morning is maybe just to to pause and ask God for wisdom. Let's do what James encourages us to do today. Let's ask for wisdom today. The knowledge of God applied to our living. As Christians, we know that, that Jesus himself is the ultimate wisdom of God. He's the anchor of biblical wisdom. He's the deep well that we go to for wisdom. And if you're feeling like you have a wisdom deficit this morning, number one, you can get in line right behind me. And number two, we can go straight to Jesus. Christ crucified, period. Salvation in Christ alone, period. Then the spirit reveals what it means to live with the mind of Christ, verse 16. That's it. It's the only place that God tells us to go. This deep well, this reservoir of grace and mercy. And I need to go there daily. I don't know about you, I need to go there daily. I I need to be reminded daily that my power, my knowledge, my pursuits, The things that I do, accomplishments, titles, whatever, are worthless compared to knowing Christ crucified, compared to knowing what he has prepared for me and for you, for those of us who know Jesus. I can't imagine it. We can't imagine that day, but this is my prayer for you. My prayer for you this morning is very simple. My encouragement to you is this. Let's put the things of the world, the knowledge of the world, the pursuits of the world, the accomplishments, the titles. Let's put those things in their rightful place today. Okay? Let's call them what they are. Let's put them in their right place. We're not going to those things for how to live with biblical wisdom this morning and from here on out. Let's have the mind of Christ as a body of believers this morning, which, which leads us to what we're all after that, that no one can attain outside of the work of Christ and the salvation that we've first been given in Christ. And so, so just, just as a reminder, we're not after this, the knowledge of the world, because Christ has given his life for us. He's given everything for me and you which allows us to then live and find the wisdom of God. That's all 1 Corinthians chapter two is about. How to live under the banner of what Christ has done for you. So I wanna ask you to go ahead and bow your heads this morning. And as I pray to close, I'm gonna challenge you to just in your own words, pray and ask God for the wisdom of God in whatever situation that you find yourself in today maybe it's with work maybe it's a decision that you need to make maybe it's in a parenting thing or a marriage thing maybe it's something happening in your life around you Let's pause and collectively ask God this morning for wisdom. Because if God says it will be given to you, then we trust that he will indeed give it to us. So Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us in and through Jesus alone. Continue to grow our faith, remind us that it's not in our efforts, that we are to do anything in this world, but it is absolutely because of what Christ has first done for us. And we give you all the glory this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name alone.